Margarita? Mother, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. Why do you always call me mother when you're mad? I know why you're here. She'll read, you know. I saw it in the paper. Eddie Blake's funeral is today. Finally got his punchline, I guess. Poor Eddie. Poor Eddie after what he did to you? Lori, you're still young. You don't know. Things change. What happened happened 40 years ago. I'm 67 years old. Every day, the future looks a little bit darker. But the past, even the grimy parts of it, keep on getting brighter. God, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello everyone and welcome to yet another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. And I'm Matt. And this is episode 17, Watchmen. No the. Yeah, surprisingly, <laughs> no the in that title. But I think before... <clears throat> Actually, you know what? Let's do a little podcast housekeeping. Oh boy. We are available in the iTunes podcast store. Pretty big news. So you can download, subscribe, rate, and review. <laughs> We're still looking for those Ooh. reviews. The um, Adventureland episode, boring. <laughs> yeah, and obviously, you know, you can still find us on Podbean. Yeah, but why even bother at this point? Yeah, um, you know, you can get us now on pretty much any kind of device with all kinds of different podcast apps, and it's great. We're really getting out there big time. Yeah. Just don't tell people to listen to it, though. Right? <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, we're going to keep trucking along with the show. Uh, so, Watchmen. Who watches the Watchmen? Not a lot to say about this one. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree, but I, it's more like we just don't know what to say. Okay, well, so every once in a while we have this discussion where we talk about that feeling of going to the movies and and seeing a trailer for something and you're like what is this this looks awesome and how that almost never happens now just because we're so aware of everything that's being made or everything that they're remaking this may have been one of the last times that that happened to me Mm -hmm. when i went to the theaters to see like i don't know maybe like the x-men wolverine movie or something this might have been before it and like the trailer was going on and i could tell it was like some sort of superhero movie but it was like dark and i was just like i i don't know who these characters are but it just looked awesome i mean it had that weird smashing pumpkin song mm-hmm. and it was just sweet and i i became obsessed with it hell of a trailer yeah 
it was also one of the times where uh, I made that mistake of like, oh, you know, I found out it was a graphic novel and I, I read the book before the movie, which I never really liked doing. I like going in not knowing what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I did it in this case. And I mean... Which is surprising considering... I don't know how your, to read. Yeah, your yeah. inability <laughs> I'm illiterate, to read. But there was all this talk <laughs> about how the graphic novel was unfilmable. Yeah. But when I read it and then I saw it, I mean, I thought it was a pretty tight adaptation. Yeah, I mean, some of that reputation uh, came in the late 80s, though. Yeah. When before a lot of the special effects were able to be Doctor Manhattan, just a guy in a blue suit, like green yeah, man. I think they like, like Terry Gillum or somebody was like attached, and they originally were like, "Well, this is going to cost us like ten million dollars a day, <laughs> yeah, to make this movie or something." And in like movie the, studios leaping to in the late eighties, they were like, "Well, let's just not." Yeah. And then it changed studios a bunch of times, and at one point Michael Bay was kind of involved, and then at one point oh, that been great. somebody bought it, some studio bought it for Darren Aronofsky to do, and then, you know, whatever, and then eventually settled on Zack Snyder. Um, Darren Aronofsky just changes all the plot points so that every character well, is a both heroin him, addict. Well, both him and... Uh, Michael Bay, maybe, or one of the other people uh, wanted to do it modern day. Hmm. Um, I don't think that's why it didn't eventually happen for those people. I don't really think that was like a big point of contention with the studio. But um, Yeah, I mean, I think uh, when it's set, playing a big part, that Cold War era, also the, the, the reimagined history where we're now allowing presidents to have four terms. Right. And, I mean, we can... Uh, get into that uh, at some point at after some the podcast point. is yeah. over. <laughs> at some point when we're not recording, because yeah. it'll be horribly boring. <laughs> um, yeah. So you were not familiar with Watchmen? No, I wasn't <laughs> before the trailer. Yeah. So I became like obsessed with the world for a little bit. Yeah, my experience with the film is actually kind of strange. Like, I was aware of what Watchmen was. You just had zero interest. No, yeah. it's just like I, I, I really wasn't into reading graphic novels at the time. Right. The movie came out. I think I, like, I had kind of wanted to see it and didn't, mm-hmm. which is surprising. But I ended up seeing it later uh, when it came out on like DVD or whatever. But kind of just went, I kind of like knew what it was from like hearing about it from different things. But I, I didn't know the story or what it really was about. I just was like vaguely aware of it. And then... It looked like a pretty cool movie, but I think I think like the fact that it was kind of attached to like a superhero kind of idea like really kind of turned me off at the time. Yeah. I don't know. I shouldn't have been though because I was definitely into the Christopher Nolan Batman stuff and that was like the same kind of time period and it kind of Similar you know kind of feel gritty and yeah. all that, but maybe just cuz I didn't know you know the story. I was like I don't know what this is. Yeah, for something that I was pretty excited about and i did have like a couple of friends and it it was kind of like all we talked about leading up to the movie coming out but uh my theatrical experience even though i liked the movie not overall that great it was like one of those packed teenager 
Friday nights or whatever, and it was a lot of uh, laughing at big flopping blue dongs, and <laughs> I was like, "Well, let's." I'm talk- like turning around. Let's and talk like, about this. The- is serious. <laughs> that is a serious blue penis on screen. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Kind of a. Kind of a, just like a shocking thing to have in a movie, really. Just floating around. Constant big blue penis. <laughs> it's like sometimes he puts on the, like the fucking black pair of panties and sometimes he doesn't. <laughs> it's like, well, why does he wear those sometimes and not all the time? <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> it's just random, right. seemingly. Yeah. So let's, let's, uh, I mean, for the most part, we're going to just focus on the movie. Um, you know, occasionally right. maybe peppering in some stuff with about the the graphic novel, but we're you know we don't talk about this isn't a podcast about books. Thank God, <laughs> I'd be checking out. It'd be pretty short. We'd do like two episodes, and it would have <laughs> both would... been books you were forced to read in fifth grade. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, so we're gonna mostly focus on the movie. Um, in my opinion, and I think. This isn't going to be too shocking. I would say Watchmen is definitely Zack Snyder's best movie. Yeah. I think 300 Not is... Not that owl movie. <laughs> 300 is like, okay, it's really overrated in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it's probably his second best. Uh, people like his Dawn of the Dead remake. I mean, which it was fine. It was really nothing special to me, though. Um, and Burial. then every, pretty much everything after that has been garbage. Just a burial of Sucker Punch. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to go back and revisit Sucker Punch at some point. I think possibly one of the more disappointing in-theater experiences in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, basically, Spring Breakers is what we wanted Sucker Punch to be. <laughs> yeah, it just ended up being like a big kind of music video. Although, pretty cool music in it, to be fair. Yeah, the soundtrack's cool, and like some of the idea for the story is cool, but the emphasis is on all the wrong things. Like, you don't... <laughs> we're talking about Sucker Punch now, but... <laughs> uh, I mean, you don't need, like, 15-minute action fight sequences that are, like, filmed so tight that you can't even tell what is happening. It's just explosions and noise, and it's just like... Ugh. Although, talk about, like, some casting that we followed for a while. <laughs> yeah, it was exciting. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> kind of like the Spring Breakers casting. Yeah. Anyway, back to Watchmen. Yeah. Just, I will say that the opening credits with the Bob Dylan song, probably yeah. one of the great opening credit sequences well, I've ever right, seen. And it's, like, right after a pretty sweet opening scene, Yeah, too. Yeah, so it's, like... The f- yeah, like, the beginning of the film is, like, incredible, like... But I just want to talk about the opening yeah, credit sequence okay. because it can, like, this is kind of like a, uh, this might even be like a bigger topic than just the opening credit sequence. But within that, uh, you know, montage of shots of different things, uh, they accomplish like so much and give you like such depth to what this story is going to be and, and what universe it's taking place in. Because it not only... Um, gives us like the first look at like the original Minutemen and like that group of superheroes. It kind of also presents like all of these like famous moments in time, but like they're changed. Right. Like, you know, the famous kiss, like 
between like the sailor and like the nurse or whatever yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. like you know that other chick whatever her name is <laughs> yeah yeah and there's andy warhol is like making a picture of like night owl or something right and uh the uh Oz- ozymandis <laughs> oh yeah he's outside of studio like 54 with like bowie and Mick Jagger. yeah and like so but it, you know before it even gets into like those guys who like the bulk of the story is about like the more re- recent version of the masked vigilantes like it shows us like the history with all of those um original Minutemen, and it kind of shows us the fate of a lot of them eventually like mm-hmm. it leads to that right. and um you know the opening scene itself was the fate of the comedian which is like a big catalyst for you know what happens in the film yeah i, I, I every time i see that it's just like it hooks you in yeah it <laughs> is cool you're just like so sucked into it because like what i love about watchmen the most and this applies to both the film and the graphic novel is like this idea of like insane depth and complexity to the story that doesn't interfere with the story like there are like countless websites dedicated to every little piece of minutia about watching yeah, yeah. and all of the history and all of the stories and they did like a a comic series, you know, more recently called Before Watchmen, which gives us like the the stories leading up to it and kind of fills in a lot of stuff. And people are obsessed with all this stuff. And it's like, you don't have to be involved with that if you don't want to. It's like, it's just fun. If you yeah. want, if you, if you're into the actual source material, then you can get sucked down that rabbit hole too. And I love that because it doesn't interfere with the film itself like the first time like in other words the first time you watch Watchmen you don't need to know every single detail you can enjoy it on its own and then if you're a fan of it you can like then get sucked into like a lot of the history and all of the characters and all the interactions and what happened to this person and all these events and blah 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 because there's this rich depth of history that happens before Watchmen takes place that leads up to the events, you know. Yeah. And it you know, that's kind of something that drew me into Game of Thrones like initially. Right. Like reading getting the, into the past and Yeah, like reading the, the, the novels yeah. and like just the references to all this backstory and history and stuff. And it's like if you watch the show Game of Thrones, like you don't need to necessarily know all that stuff. In fact I would say, you know, ninety percent or eighty percent of the people that watch that show every week don't you know know yeah. all the stupid who's little... he the brother of another guy with long hair and a beard <laughs> like... yeah there's a lot of like oh who was this guy and you know yeah. like whatever but like and i kind of feel like the watchman is like a miniature version of that because it's yeah. just one movie and it's you know one original graphic novel which whatever i mean i guess like there were issues originally but yeah I do whatever re- so like in other words, you can you can like definitely just enjoy the source material, the original stuff, and then like you know move on with your life. And it doesn't like I don't like complexity that like keeps you at a distance the whole time necessarily. Sometimes that can be good, but a lot of times it's just like why even bother, <laughs> <laughs> Megan. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like it's complexity that's fun. I would I, that's yeah. a phrase I'm coming up with right now. Fun complexity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely found the uh, the stuff with the Minutemen like compelling. Like that was stuff that I wanted to know more about. 
Yeah, and it, it def- like it definitely casts a shadow over uh, the crime busters as right. as they call themselves yeah. in the in the graphic novel. They never refer to their name in the movie, really. I don't think they ever say crime busters. Well, or yeah, I mean, do they? I, Zack Snyder was like, we don't need to say that. <laughs> Did he say that? No, I don't know. Oh. Well, yeah, I know it's a pretty lame name because I think like a lot of people assume that they're just that that group of people is just called Watchmen, right? But they're not. It's complicated. Like the title comes from a phrase, which is a famous like Latin phrase, which in English roughly translates to "Who watches the Watchmen?" and people spray paint it, and they're talking about them, but in the generic sense, yes. Well, Right, like their group is not called the Watchmen. They are they're just referring to them as Watchmen in context to that phrase. Like, right, it's all <laughs> the original. I think the original phrase has to do with like a loose moraled woman that these guys are supposed to <laughs> watch over, <laughs> and somebody quips like, "Well, if you're watching her, then who's watching you?" Like that kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah. who's to say that you're not gonna succumb to her? Whatever. In other words, it always comes back to a woman. Yeah. <laughs> Just being horrible. Uh yeah. Well yeah, well, there is some unfaithfulness <laughs> on the part of certain women in this movie, but Yeah, I mean n- not a lot of like necessarily heroic female figures in this film. Yeah. That's true. We have um Carla Gugino. Is that how you say her name? I don't know. Gugino? Yeah. <laughs> And uh, Malin Ackerman. Right. <laughs> Which they have their mother-daughter. They both kind of grow up to, even though they have these like great years as heroes or whatever, their latter years of their lives, pretty sad for each of them. Well, as, I mean, in, in as far as like what I was saying before, like the Minutemen, like, ca- like their exploits, like casting a shadow over what's going on now it's like carla gugino gugino her character's name is sally and her daughter is laurie who's malin ackerman and she gets involved with uh weren't we calling one of them like Joni <laughs> when we talked about- <laughs> yeah i think yeah maybe <laughs> the the characters names are sometimes hard to keep track of i mean there's rorschach and the comedian and night owl and they're all kind of easy but then after that it's like oh <laughs> yeah. i'm not sure who's who Sat, or Laurie Malin Ackerman, she's now like, it's kind of hard to describe what her position is because, I mean, they kind of like, she's basically there just to keep Dr. Manhattan American. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, basically, like, her pussy is <laughs> saving the free world yeah. or something. I don't know. It's because, like, they, de- they definitely. Uh, there's some uneasiness over her her role in her mind, even because she kind of is. Yeah, a, she's aware she's self aware that, that yeah. she's basically just somebody for Doctor Manhattan to sleep with, so that he will stay happy. Now, Doctor Manhattan's like whole. It's a big part of the movie. His people's feelings over whether or not he cares about humanity. And for those who haven't seen it, he's the big giant blue penis. Yeah, <laughs> some sort of weird nuclear radioactive <laughs> yeah. monster. He was involved in some accident that turned him into this otherworldly being that couldn't seemingly do anything. Yeah, and as a the, godlike Superman. As the movie un- unfolds, I mean, he seems to not really know if he actually cares about anything. But 
that's the weird part because he was married before and i always think about him being attracted to a young Milan Ackerman and it's like what was going on there was he just like thinking that he should like chicks still or did he fall in love with her i don't really yeah because at the beginning there he is with another woman when he first is in his accident and she stays with him for a while and then eventually he breaks up with her for Laurie and what an ass after she I believe in the tall. graphic novel she's supposed to be 16 Jesus. at the time <laughs> Now they don't really address that. address that yeah. in the film. She they do. I think they do kind of imply that she's a lot younger. But at this point, he's kind of like ageless. Yeah, like he doesn't yeah, really. Right. He's not really a human anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why he would suddenly choose one over the other, and what difference it makes to him. I guess he still can get an erection, which is strange. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to figure that well, out, Well, it's like, not strange that he can, because he can do anything, but, yeah. like, does he actually get any Arouse physical it, yeah. enjoyment out of it, or... Yeah, I don't know, I was trying to figure that out. Is it out. just companionship? Is his part of it companionship? But what, then why would he care? Like, why would he trade it? Because, you know, his ex-lady, whenever they're breaking up, is basically confronting him about wanting a younger woman and he's kind of admitting that that's the case yeah I don't really and it's understand. like well if it's just companionship i don't really know what difference it would make to him yeah that is weird it, but god watchman sucks we <laughs> just pulled it all apart nothing makes sense well <laughs> and then you know there's that whole scene where he's uh creating multiple versions of himself for, for some sort of love making session <laughs> and he's in the but his main self is in the other room doing this work, in quotes, where he's just sort of pulling bolts apart and putting them back together yeah. <laughs> to save the, the work, world. The work that he's doing is kind of vague and, <laughs> and you know, not exactly <laughs> logical, <laughs> at least, in, you know, in our layman's eyes over here. Oh, but yeah, well. It doesn't seem like it's anything <laughs> real. Yeah. Uh, so... Okay, so the comedian is killed at the beginning of the film. And that sets off a chain of reactions. We got Rorschach, who's this masked vigilante carrying the torch. Uh, Yeah, he never quit. That's the thing. We're supposed to be living in this world where vigilanteism is now banned. Yeah, masked superheroes, not allowed. The Keen Act, as they call it, has outlawed these guys. So most of them have given it up either gone public or kept their identities hidden and just gone back to private life. Right. Except for Rorschach, who's insane. And well, he doesn't really have a private life. Yeah. And one of the main themes of Watchmen is the blurring of good and evil and not and and, and the world being comprised of grays and what happens when you push against that with a black and white kind of thing mentality yeah rorschach is complicated in that sense because he seems to believe that he's doing some unwavering good yet he'll support someone just because they're a mass vigilante like him right but they seemingly they can do whatever and he's not and also uh he is kind of like they they there's an offhanded comment you know that uh He's like almost a Nazi or something. And I mean, that's kind of made evident in his feelings toward 
homosexuals. Right. Um, he definitely seems to have kind of a negative feeling towards women in general. Yeah, well, that seems to go back to his mom. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not no, saying no, that there isn't a reason. No, I'm no, just no. saying that he's yeah, kind of no, like... Yeah. his idea, he, He's very um, staunch in his beliefs, and he won't waver from them. And he has his own, own idea of good and evil. And as far as he's concerned, that's you know the way it is. But when you actually like examine his beliefs, there's a lot of you know flaws issues. and yeah. And obviously, you know, spoiler alert: Ozymandias t- is revealed to be the big villain. And yet, is he a villain? Is kind of unclear. He does something horrible, and yet, but achieves a greater kind of peace than any of them ever thought could have been accomplished. And Doctor Manhattan even has to accept this. Um, Laurie and Night Owl begrudgingly kind of have to accept this rorschach of course will not right and of course and then is killed because of it yeah (laughs) i mean that's the thing even right i mean he's killed for his uncompromising belief that that what was done by adrian was wrong and he needs to go tell everyone but it's almost like he know like it's almost like he understands that they can't let him leave and he almost it's almost like he doesn't want them to let him leave right he just knows that in order to stay true he has to be killed for this yeah i guess it fulfills his purpose right and there's definitely some conspiracy theorists out there who believe that because there's like this thing that kind of spurs rorschach to become rorschach originally not the little girl being killed. But right. the other thing, I think it's more in the graphic novel where a woman is killed in broad daylight in front of a bunch of witnesses and nobody does anything. Oh, yeah. And there are people who read into the text... What would happen if I got killed in the middle of the day? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone just turns away. Everyone just applauds. <laughs> um no, there are people that read into it that Rorschach is actually the person that kills the girl. And they he admits to it in the scene, well, in the, in the part where he's talking to the um, psychologist or whatever, psychiatrist at the prison. But, like, you have to, like, really read into what he's... I mean, it's a whole thing. Yeah. But people are convinced that that's what happened, and he had, like, this psychotic break and then became, like, this Rorschach person. And lost his identity, or I don't know, whatever. But like, I don't. I mean, you know, whether or not that that's supposed to be true or not doesn't really matter. He's yeah. he is who he is now, and you know, he's kind of like. I think like casting uh, Jackie Earl Haley, great casting. Yeah, he he's great in it. Just paving the way for Friday the Thirteenth reboot or whatever, or Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street. Street. Was that was this before that? I believe it was. Yes. Wow. Yeah, and I mean. He's probably like him and uh, what's it? Whoever plays the comedian, what's his name? Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, those two are great. Everyone else is kind of like, eh. Yeah, I was Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Oh yeah, I do remember thinking at the time, especially after I saw the trailer. Uh, it certainly didn't resonate. With, I knew who Malin Ackerman was at the time because I had seen her in great films like uh the heartbreak kid <laughs> um but yeah she was like becoming like oh she's the hot chick yeah. in a lot of like so stupid comedies it didn't whenever i first saw the trailer it didn't resonate with me 
that that she was in it. And then I read the graphic novel, and then I found out that she was playing Silk Spectre too. And I, I that was like the I, I thought that was odd. Like I, I don't know, I just didn't see it. But not that she's bad, but in it. But I don't know. It just that that casting didn't match up for me. And yeah, I mean, one of the big things with the casting is they wanted to cast people that they thought that they could make them look both young and old because through flashbacks and you know whatnot the story the story all takes place in 1985 but there's so many flashbacks and and long sequences in the past that the characters have to play like a lot younger at one point and then a little bit older like jeffrey dean morgan has to play you know a guy like in his 20s and then a guy like in his late 60s or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a lo- a big range there and it kind of is uh, it's a when you like especially if you see the film first and then read the graphic novel, I think the age thing really messes with your head. You really are trying to figure out like what? Yeah. Like how old are these That's people? True. Like it, it's kind of hard to like figure like yeah, I mean, Silk Spectre 2, you're like it's so unclear how old she's supposed to be in 1985. <laughs> yeah. It's like, because, okay, so the comedian ends up being Silk Spectre 2's father. Uh, he has sex with uh, Silk Spectre at some point, which we don't know when. But he attempts to rape Sil- Silk Spectre in 1940. <laughs> right. Now, granted, it's interrupted, and he's beat up by Hood of Justice, who, you know, is a closet homosexual, <laughs> and the comedian taunts him about like oh yeah whatever but um <laughs> so it's interrupted and then like silk specter ends up having sex with him anyway which is so weird horrifying plot yeah and you're but it's never really nowhere in the film is it addressed as to when that would have happened based on her age you're thinking like well did it happen like 20 years later in now, 1960 who does she who does her mom tell her her dad is? I mean, it, that just that guy that you see in the flashbacks. That's yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm get like I don't know how old Malin Ackerman was when this film came out. I'm gonna guess she was like 25. I don't know. That's that maybe older. Like I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. So I don't know. It's 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 hard to like figure out like when now she might be playing someone older than she looks like she might be supposed to be like 35 or 38 or so, you know what i mean yeah but she doesn't look that old so you're like well, wait when was she born if this is 1985 and the attempted rape was in 1940 you know what i mean like, yeah there's so much time that goes by like it's kind of weird but you know it's better than casting like a 20 year old version of someone and then like a 40 year old version and they don't really look anything alike and then I you're like, like what is going on yeah, I, I, I think probably one of the things that, I mean, listen, I know you can just put like a wig on a chick or dye her hair or whatever, but I just pictured Malin Ackerman as like a hot blonde at the time. And I was thinking of <laughs> like this Lori character is more of like, well, get over a, it. A They're momly not recasting it. <laughs> brunette. <laughs> it's not being recast, so just forget it. All right. Um, and maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe she was perfect. No, I. I I like Malin Ackerman, but I don't necessarily think that she makes sense in this film. But then again, I don't, like I said, a lot of the people in it, you're kind of just like confused by. So eventually, you know, she leaves Dr. Manhattan, which, you know, was inevitable, I guess. And she ends up. Do you think like uh, Dr. Manhattan's like a little bit of a cuck, though? (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, there's that part where he's I think you're in, projecting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, I, there's that whole part where he's sending multiple versions of himself in. I mean, that seemed like it could have been some sort of... Yeah, and he's the one that first suggests that she call Night Owl. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> he's planting he's sending her seeds. out on dates, yeah. Yeah, and obviously he can be aware of what's going on i guess like yeah. at all times and see things or whatever it's so like, go out with dan have a couple drinks see what happens yes yeah. <laughs> yeah but you know dan at first couldn't get it up in a shocking scene <laughs> uh the the actual sex scene though on that stupid thing that flies around that's pretty hot that was like if people who are like really obsessed with Watchmen like listen to this, they would be like, "What? <laughs> this is horrifying." <laughs> We're yeah. just a couple of dudes who think Watchmen is cool. We're not like, yeah. you know, loser nerds like obsessed uh, oh, with it. Yeah, I mean, speaking of that, and I'm sure this would upset loser nerd nation, but <laughs> when I saw this in theater, when I read the graphic novel, and I get to like, you know, the big sequence where Adrian's plan unhatches, which in the book is. Uh, opening a portal to another dimension, quote unquote, or something, so that this giant squid alien monster destroys New York City. I was like, this seems a little out of place. <laughs> I mean, I know we're talking like superheroes and shit, but this, this is like what you came up with to unite the world. But I, and then when I saw the the movie, I liked that they changed it to just be that. Oh, Doctor Manhattan just blew up New York City. Like, right. I was like, even though he didn't. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, but I, I like that they made or you know they made it look like that. Like I liked that explanation better. Yeah, it was a lot more grounded in. And as something. I was walking out of the theater, uh, some the king of the loser nerds was <laughs> holding court, flipping out, being like, "Where was the giant squid?" And I was just like, "Oh my, go away!" Yeah, people. It's funny because like superhero movies and and such are are so popular right now and and make tons of money but like the original like the actual like comic book nerds that like hang out at the stores and actually buy the comic books they're just like unbearable <laughs> about these movies like yeah it's like they're so married to the source material that if you leave out i mean i know that was like a big detail but it's <laughs> well here's the thing you're never going to get a version a film version of the of Watchmen better than this version. No. It's just not happening. And I'm not even a big Zack Snyder fan at all or a defender. <laughs> but I would just say it's not gonna be better than this. This is like super close to the source material f- through ninety percent of it. Yeah. And it looks great and it's shot great. And even yeah, like though a- the casting is a little weird, it's not terrible. I mean, what year did this come out? Like 2008 or something? Yeah, I think. So, I mean, we just watched it the other day. And I, I, I mean, I, I know we're only talking a matter of like eight years or so, but I think it looks awesome still. Like, Yeah. It's a super cool looking movie. They cut out things that, you know, would have, I think, looked dumb or ruined it for like it people more who goofy. weren't already obsessed yeah. with it. And just, like, sometimes things get changed. And, I mean, it's like when, you know, people... I mean, there's definitely people that complain about, like, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, about, like, dumb things that they change or whatever. Oh, the Joel Schumacher versions are so much better. God. <laughs> I don't know like, if people say that. Dude, well, maybe somebody says I've read that. that on the internet before. <laughs> but it's just like, ugh. 
I mean, whatever. You Although, to ha- be fair, the soundtrack to Batman Forever. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you don't have to like what you don't like, but it's just at the same time, I think people are going into these things already being bitter and already like wanting to hate them and it's just like you're ruining it for yourself more yeah. more you're not actually ruining it for other people you're ruining it for yourself and it's just like i don't understand that attitude it's like look at how terrible like speaking of Zack snyder look at how terrible this superman versus maybe i shouldn't even talk about that since it'll probably be out We're by the time we release this episode <laughs> and it might get great reviews or yeah. something even though i can't imagine that <laughs> Anyway, just like there's not going to be like a cooler, better version of Batman and there's not going to be a cooler, better version of Watchmen. It's just there just isn't. You don't understand how movies are made. You just don't then. And it's not like I'm an expert, but it's like I obviously it doesn't take an expert to figure out like simple things about movie making and how Hollywood works. And it's not there's never going to be anything better. Maybe like 100 years from now, but you're not going to be alive. So shut up. (laughs) Listen, I already have like enough things in my life that I go into with a bitter attitude. I don't need movies to be on that list. Especially something like Watchmen, which, granted, has a lot of like heavy themes to it and a lot of things to think about. But it, at the end of the day, we're talking about a bunch of people that put masks on and then like their lives and what happens. And it's, so it's supposed to be a fantasy. It's fun. And yes, you can take a lot of like of the messages in it and think about what they're trying to say. But like, again, you know, yeah, fun, pretty, entertainment, enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty, you know, just joyous fun when the comedian shoots his pregnant girlfriend in Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> well, the comedian is, you know, a, he's an interesting character. Yeah. He's, very, <laughs> he's a complex, a uh, superhero, quote unquote. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying like, a. a I don't. I want to be clear. I'm not saying like, oh, you have to like this movie or you have to like whatever movie. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it, you don't need to like go on these rants about things that were changed or little nitpicky things that you blow up to be big deals. Like whatever that might be, whether it's a giant squid at the end of this <laughs> or at the end of the Goonies <laughs> or, oh, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt character in The Dark Knight Rises you know they like the end of the movie they're like oh his real name's robin yeah. and that wasn't God. robin's name it's like well he's not robin i know dude it's not I, it's just a little nod to yes. it for people to be like oh that's funny or whatever yeah. like especially people who are, like don't know robin's real name like if they were like oh <laughs> if that woman was like oh you should go by your real name dick <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh you know, like the fucking two percent people who are like obsessed loser nerds are gonna like mark out for that, and then every like mom and ten year old girl and all like the other people there are just gonna be like, "That's weird." <laughs> yeah, like they're gonna they're not gonna get it. The point was they, so that everyone would get what that reference was. I know, like there were people, and it was like, just a reference. It didn't mean he was like supposed to be Dick Grayson. Oh, and like, there were there up. were people being like, "Oh, I can't wait for the Robin movie now." It's like. Oh, do you not understand that this whatever this Batman universe was is done? They're they're moving on. Believe to- me, I've had to explain that to my mother like seventy five <laughs> times. She keeps she still brings it up. Like is Joseph Gordon? I thought 
she sees commercials for the Batman versus Superman. She's like, oh, I thought that other guy was going to be Batman now. <laughs> and I'm like, how many times have I told you that that's, that was the end of that story? <laughs> All right. She was a huge Gotham fan, too, for a while. No, but... she still is. Oh, I thought she was out. I no. thought it was too uh, violent for her. No. Mm. She was asking me questions about Mr. Freeze and all this stuff. I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, um, I think <laughs> I think one part that we definitely wanted to talk about was uh, when Dr. Manhattan's on Mars and he right. brings Laurie there. And at this point, they're convinced that Ozymandias' plan is to destroy the world or something. They're, they think that he's going to do something evil, right? Or completely evil because they think that they need dr manhattan to save the world yeah i don't know i don't what is going on <laughs> i don't now that you say that i don't know well what they, they, they know. find out about what that it was ozymandias was the one behind killing the comedian okay so faking his she own assassination that. attempt yeah. well yeah night owl and right and uh rorschach i can never that remember out. when dr manhattan shows up to grab her and store away to mars via teleportation well i'm just thinking because it's right before they end up going back to uh new york city yeah and they're like kind of too late at that point and right. they go to yeah the it's already been blown up antarctica antarctica or wherever they are and like <laughs> so they are under the impression that they need dr manhattan to save the world at this point his role is actually irrelevant because of what ozymandias's plan actually was yeah, he made it look like Doctor Manhattan blew up New York, and now there's going to be peace on Earth because of it. And Doctor Manhattan really doesn't have to stop anything or do anything, but they believe that he does. So she's trying to convince him, and he's like, "You know, bitch, I don't care anymore yeah, about like, the world." Yeah, you were the last thing I cared about, and you're out prancing around with friggin' Owl Boy over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have no connection. He's like, "You don't think I was looking in on that?" <laughs> Whatever was happening in that little floating owl machine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Leonard, Co- Leonard Cohen was playing. It was the least romantic song ever, yet somehow <laughs> it made sense for that scene. Yeah. And <laughs> anyway, um, so he's like, you know, I don't care about Earth or the people on it. It doesn't really affect me anymore. I've completely lost touch yeah, with Yeah, like humanity. one of his lines when he's talking about, or it's early in the movie when he says that i don't know from like a cell standpoint a human uh live body and dead body are the same like right and he he uses mars as an example of why no life on earth would be fine <laughs> <laughs> he's like mars is great <laughs> i don't know it's really stupid yeah right. <laughs> but mars is great. so in order to convince uh dr manhattan to help she she takes a page out of Stephanie from Bug Juice's book, if you listen to that episode, and she just starts crying. A formula that is proven to work. It's tried and true. Over and over. <laughs> yeah. A chick starts crying and everyone else starts panicking. Dr. Manhattan just... He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, all right, all right. All right listen, whoa, what do you whoa, want? Whoa, whoa, whatever you want. <laughs> like, I know that, like, you know, you've been sleeping with someone else and I've been out here not doing anything and you shouldn't matter to me, but... You're not going to start crying. Whoa. 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 <laughs> because even his explanation seems like such a backpedal. He he figures out that she was the product of the comedian and her mom. Yeah, Silk Spectre. And he, he knew that about the attempted rape. And he also knew what a terrible person 
the comedian was because they were together in Vietnam. Right. So he declares it a miracle that she was born. Uh, which I'd be like, well, it's not a surprise. <laughs> a whore came from a whore. <laughs> oh, boy. And then I would have blew up the earth yeah. <laughs> and then taken her oxygen away. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, she starts crying and he's like, whoa. Hey, listen, whatever you want. Let's just go back to – if we go back to – Earth, will you stop crying? <laughs> we'll go back and we'll fix everything. I'll all right? save the world. Please. Yeah. <laughs> Please stop crying. <laughs> and so, you know, now he's back in and he's going to like, you know, get involved with uh, saving the, saving well, the world. Not and even, then, yeah, well, know, it nothing. Yeah, it doesn't work. So then he shows up and he's like, all right, well, at least we can go beat the shit out of Adrian or whatever. And yeah, doesn't, doesn't even do that. Is Ozzy Mandis gay? He, def- he kind of is effeminate and Rorschach. <laughs> definitely makes a mental note of possible like, homosexual uh, Rorschach's like Carrie Fisher to uh, John Travolta or whatever is it that isn't there something where uh, I'll, I'll cut this out but <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was something where like Carrie Fisher has like implored somebody to come out as gay or something yeah that sounds like kind of familiar I think you told me about it so <laughs> All right, you have to leave this in now just because of that that revelation. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I kind of remember. You just this. read stuff on Reddit and then it's gone. Yeah. And then, you know, life moves on without New York anymore, apparently. Yeah, which at the end of the movie, uh, some writer is complaining about everything being boring now. Such a such a nice outlook. <laughs> yeah. I have nothing to write about. And he he discovers Rorschach's journal. Now, Rorschach drops that off before they go to confront Adrian. Yeah. Did he write in there that they discovered that Adrian was behind all this? I think so, because was, that was about to be like them going. So that was probably the last part. Yeah. So this but, guy probably like came out with this article and no one read it. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, um, the details of yeah ozzy Mandis's plan aren't gonna be in it but you know whatever yeah but it's nice <laughs> i think to, we did like it's a- nice to think that it was all for naught though maybe <laughs> <laughs> immediately russia starts stockpiling nuclear warheads again <laughs> yeah um enough with this piece i don't know like where this came from you know like what i guess like um you know a lot of readers of the graphic novel you know, draw comparisons of like Night Owl to like Batman or yeah. Well, I've always heard things. like Night Owl and Rorschach are like, like combined. Are yeah, Batman they're like the two sides. Um, yeah, I mean, I know Alan Moore like based uh, a lot of these characters off of like uh, the looks of them off of like um, I don't know what the company was called like Charleston. I don't know. Now mm-hmm. I'm like really just trying to pull Saying something shit. out. Yeah, it's some old superhero stories from like some company that doesn't exist anymore yeah. that I'm sure Marvel or DC bought. I think DC probably bought it. And so they had like the rights in case there was any kind of whatever. But um yeah, but the actual like inspiration for like this kind of desolate world. I mean, do you think it's saying like this is what the world would be like if we let vast masked vigilantes do whatever they want yeah because the comedian references like something about woodward and bernstein which you know were the writers that you know 
broke the the Watergate thing that got Nixon thrown out of office, and Nixon in this movie and book is the president so, yeah, for so several terms, and the, the implication being that he killed them or something, something, and he also assassinated JFK <laughs> apparently. Yeah, and like you know, so in other words, like when we don't. Who watches the Watchmen? Like, in other words, the Watchmen can do whatever they want, well, and, and the they're comedian- controlling. They're pulling all the strings and controlling the world because we, as a society, put our faith and trust in these people. And eventually, the people wised up, and the Keen Act came. But like, this is the result of like, you know, what is it? Forty years, fifty, sixty years unchecked, right? Well, of people just being allowed to do what they want yeah and i mean the comedian being like the one character who everything we see of him he never really does anything good i mean he's just no. he kills people <laughs> he yeah. works for the government yeah doing their like, dirty jobs. work basically and yeah i think i mean i think that that there's a lot of different things to think about um the characters represent a lot of things like uh you know the the good versus evil and like the hardline stance on that and the blurriness of characters, how people can be simultaneously good and evil and all this stuff. But I think the main thing is just, you know, letting yeah. regular, cause these are regular people for the most part, other than Dr. Manhattan. Right. And but although it is like this strange, like seemingly a lot of them are like super strong, like strong beyond the capacity of normal human beings. Well, they trained. Yeah. I mean, the, and HGH. The, that's true. In 1985, <laughs> um, the uh, motivations of some of the characters definitely way less clear, though. I mean, Doctor Manhattan. It's just like he's just a superhero, just because he has all these powers, right? Uh, Patrick Wilson, Night Owl. Not really sure. Yeah, in the, in the book, the original Night Owl, Hollis Mason is. He, you get more of a backstory of of him and and why he decides to do this, and it's pretty. His intentions are pretty pure, and you kind of just assume that the new Night Owl, Dan, yeah, <laughs> that he uh, has just picked up that mantle. Like he's right. follow, he's basically doing it for the same reasons or whatever. Uh, so and so there is like characters that are mostly good, yeah, but, and Silk Spectre just sort of groomed. By her mother. Silk Spectre 2? Right, yeah. Yeah. Silk Spectre 1, I think, um, was... It's kind of an interesting commentary on celebrity and uh, maybe even ahead of its time. Yeah. uh, (laughs) No explanation given for that statement I just made. (laughs) The whole scene where she's uh, talking to her daughter about... I don't know. uh, These people making like a little porno magazine about her <laughs> a tijuana bible yeah <laughs> uh and she's pretty excited about this yeah i i mean i think that's more of she based a lot of her self-esteem on her looks i think sorry that... the chick that they oh, kicked yeah, out yeah. is silhouette well she doesn't have a huge part in either the book or the movie so it's kind of hard to remember her name i definitely you definitely noticed that the women in this movie are eh, second class a little yeah. bit. You have one who's kind of portrayed as this sad old woman who had sex with someone who tried to rape her and is basically living her life 
trying to recapture the days when she was attractive. Yeah. And then you have one whose job is basically to have sex with a giant blue man. (laughs) And that's it. And all like any of the other characters are pretty inconsequential that are female. So I mean Yeah. Not exactly the Hunger Games. Alright, so I guess that'll probably do it. This is kind of a longer episode, really, when it comes down to it. Yeah, we gotta get back into that X Files home <laughs> like twenty thirty minute range. Well this will this is definitely the episode where we've referenced the most of the most number of our previous oh, no. episodes yeah. <laughs> people yeah people are like oh man i skipped all the ones that i haven't seen yeah i mean i hope that people listen to those bug juice ones yeah <laughs> at this point that would be like i don't know how many episodes back that was but go ahead and go back in time and listen to those because those are our that was our peak it's all downhill <laughs> <laughs> um mm. but yeah i mean we knew I think we knew ahead of time going into this that this was going to be a more challenging subject for yeah. us. We don't have like, you know, obviously we're like obsessed with the Wonder Years, <laughs> the lake and back to the lake. Yeah, and we're like obsessed like with Adventureland. <laughs> and we're definitely obsessed with bug juice. <laughs> <laughs> but like the Watchmen, it's, it, you know, we wa- we just watched the director's cut. And that's three hours long. I mean, how many times are you going to watch that? Yeah. You're not going to watch it every night to fall asleep to, like Adventureland. <laughs> you creep. Because we often reference, you know, just watching the first 45 minutes of Watchmen. Yeah, the first hour is really, really quality. And then it kind of loses some steam for a while. With, like, a lot of backstory. The Dr. Manhattan backstory seems to go on way too long. Yeah. And his narration a lot of him is just like boring. hanging out on Mars with that weird little thing he made to like travel Mars in this glass yeah. shit box. <laughs> and then it, it it definitely like picks back up again after a certain point, but whatever. Yep. All right, so I guess we'll see you next time.